Hey, good morning, Bethel. Thanks for all of you who are in the house. Thanks for all of you joining online. My name is Rob, one of the pastors here. Hey, we're in a series that we're, we call Summer Shorts. And as I've had opportunities to teach this summer, I've been focusing on Jesus' teaching. And today we're going to take a look at the teaching you may be familiar with, where he says, don't worry about the speck in someone else's eye. Worry about the log or the beam in your own. But before we get there, I want us to look at the verses that come right before that, okay? And Jesus is talking about worry. He said, don't worry about things, food, drink, and clothes, for you already have life and body, and they are far more important than what you eat and wear. Look at the birds. They don't worry about what to eat. They don't need to sow or reap or store up food, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than they are. Will all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothes? Look at the field lilies. They don't worry about theirs, yet King Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed as beautifully as they. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today, gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? So don't worry about all those, I'm sorry, don't worry about all, so don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. Why be like the heathen? For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them, and he will give them to you. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Isn't that an awesome verse? But, you notice I sort of didn't read the middle? See, we want the verse to say, hey, God knows what you need. Don't worry, be happy. He's going to give you everything you need. There's a part in the middle I skipped. There's a part in the middle that we like to skip. Jesus said, your heavenly father knows what you need. He's going to give you everything you need. What's the middle part? If you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. It's conditional, right? God knows what you need. You don't have to worry about it. What's Jesus' invitation? Yoke up with him. Yoke up with him. We've been talking about yoking with Jesus this summer. How'd you do this week? How'd you do this week yoking with Jesus? Because the reality is in your life and my life where we worry, it's an indication that we're no longer yoked up with Jesus. Jesus said his burden is easy. I'm sorry, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. No worry involved. So when you and I start to worry, it's an indication we've disconnected from Jesus. Now listen, don't beat yourself up about that. We all do it. Thank God that the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Where would we be without God's forgiveness and God's grace? So don't beat yourself up for your worry. Instead, let it be an indication to you, I stepped away from Jesus. I'm no longer yoked up. And the interesting thing is, Jesus talks about worry. Jesus talks about staying in step with him so we don't have to worry, so that God provides everything we need. And then he goes right into this teaching. It's not disconnected. It's the same teaching. And then he says this, don't criticize, then you won't be criticized. For others will treat you as you treat them. And why worry about a speck in the eye of a brother when you have a board in your own? Should you say, friend, let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you can't even see because of the board in your own? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the board. Then you can see to help your brother. Here's the connection between worry and being judgmental. 
When I worry, it's an indication I've disconnected from Jesus. And when I start to become critical and judgmental, it's an indication I've disconnected from Jesus. Jesus is not critical. Jesus is not judgmental. So when I start to become critical and judgmental, I've disconnected. So let's, let's look at these verses. The first phrase, don't criticize, then you won't be criticized. Jesus is, is talking about people who are hypercritical. Jesus is talking about people who are always passing judgment on others. It's that spirit that has no problem destroying other people, right? You come after me, I'm going to come after you harder. It's that attitude. And here's the thing, that last bullet. Jesus is teaching us to be discerning people. We need to be able to discern. So he's saying, hey, discern what's going on. Don't be critical. What's the difference? I'm glad you asked. Huge difference. To be discerning is what? To be discerning is giving God the opportunity to show you everything that's going on, right? Take intentions, motivations, look at the results. You look at everything. You don't just look at one part. You look at everything. To be discerning is you use God's wisdom and you ask him for wisdom so that you can make judgments between right and wrong. Listen, do you understand that the world we live in has a lot of right and wrong in it? There's a lot of stuff that is just wicked stuff we should have nothing to do with. Agree? Jesus isn't saying pretend it's not there. Jesus is saying be discerning. Know between right and wrong. Know between what is good and not good. But that's not being critical. Being discerning is I'm using God's wisdom. In James 3, God's wisdom is what? Pure, peace-loving, gentle, sincere. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy, and it makes peace. Peacemakers. discern. Don't tell me God's in something and he's doing something when all you see is conflict and division. That's not God. That's not God's wisdom. God's wisdom is pure, peace-loving, gentle, sincere. It yields to others. It's full of mercy and it's peacemakers. Being critical is what? It's an unloving judgment. It loves to find fault in others. It loves to devour and destroy others. It shows itself in hostile attacks, rivalries, conflicts, division, bitter disagreements. Listen, we all have disagreements. They don't have to be bitter disagreements. Have you noticed that today, either you agree with somebody or you have bitter disagreements with them? Anybody else notice that? Why is that? That's not God's way. That's the way of the world. That's the way of our culture. That's the way of politics. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Jesus is saying, hey, be discerning as you look at the world. The world needs a lot of help in a lot of ways. So discern what is the good thing. Discern what is the right thing to do. But do not be critical. And in that last bullet, the Bible warns that these are the works of the flesh. You know, the the hostility, the attacks, the rivalries, all that stuff. And Galatians 5 says, don't have a thing 
to do with it. Don't have a thing to do with hostile attacks, rivalries, conflicts, division, and bitter agreements. Don't have a thing to do with it, followers of Jesus. Not a thing. Don't cheer it on. Don't think it's a good thing. Don't try to become like that. Don't think that's how you get results in today's world. Don't think that's how you confront sin in this world. Paul wrote in Galatians, have nothing to do with it. Nothing. Permission to speak freely? It grieves my heart as a pastor to see the number of people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ who are being discipled by politics and culture instead of discipled by Jesus Christ. Why are we becoming so critical? Why are we so judgmental? Why are we so nasty? Why are we so condescending to those out in the world who we disagree with? Because that's what our culture has become. Are we supposed to be discipled by our culture? Are we supposed to be discipled by the one whose name we bear, followers of Jesus Christ? People, listen. I know that there's all sorts of stuff going on out there. But we're not supposed to become like the world. We're in the world. We're not of it. And Jesus is saying, be discerning. Be discipled by Jesus, not by politicians or culture or political parties or causes. Can I, I'm going to go back to here. On a discerning side, God's wisdom is pure, peace-loving, gentle, sincere, full of mercy. Not just merciful, full of mercy. Peacemakers. I don't care what you think you're accomplishing for Jesus. If how you accomplish that for Jesus doesn't line up with James 3, you didn't do it for Jesus. Jesus doesn't need us to use the world's tactics to bring about his kingdom. The way we're bringing his kingdom is, is by being salt and light. We're supposed to be different. I had someone come up to me between services and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Trump supporter, and I didn't like the way that came across when you were talking about this. This is not about who you vote for. This is about who you, who you allow to disciple you. Who are we becoming like as a church? Are we becoming more like Jesus? Or are we becoming more like a politician or a political party? I don't care which side. Listen, I voted in a lot of elections. A lot of elections. I have never once voted for a perfect candidate. I have never once voted for a candidate that fully embraced or represented the heart of Jesus Christ. Never once, and neither of you. There isn't a political party that fully embraces it and represents the heart of Jesus. Not one. I know what it's like to go into the ballot and you have to, you have to cast your ballot and you look at the choices and you say, whoo. Is that all? You know and I know. 
I know that there are times where I have to say, okay, who is the lesser of the, what I think is not great choices? And so I will make a choice, and you make a choice. And your choice could be different than mine. God bless you. Can we be peace-loving people? Can we say that our unity in Jesus Christ supersedes any unity or disunity in politics or the culture? Can we say that Jesus is the most important thing we hold as followers of Jesus Christ, and this church will be identified by our love for Jesus Christ, not by the division of political parties or candidates? That's what it's about. And Jesus goes on. Why worry about a speck in the eye of a brother when you have a board in your own? Should you say, friend, let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you can't even see because of the board in your own? Hypocrite, Jesus says. You know what Jesus is saying? Spend more time focusing on yourself than other people. Isn't it easier to point out the faults in everyone else? Because, see, when I'm fixing you, I don't have to worry about fixing myself. And Jesus is saying, Rob, pay more attention focused on what you struggle with. You know, all of us here in this room, we have sin we struggle with. That's not a secret. Your pastor included. All of us in this room, including your pastor, has sin in his life that has been an issue for years and years and years, and you struggle with it, and you think you're doing okay, and then there it is again, and you say, come on. Why is it easy for me to tell you, you got to get your act together? And not tell myself that. Jesus is saying, focus on ourselves. He's the only perfect one. Let's focus on ourselves because when we focus on ourselves, we grow in humility. It's impossible to have a God-honoring self-awareness and not be humbled by it. I'm just being honest. It's humbling when we realize how far we miss the mark. And Jesus is saying, let's focus on ourselves because that builds humility in us. See, proud people refuse to examine themselves. They want to judge other people. They want to tell you how you should be running your life. And the Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The word resist means that God stands in opposition against and he is an adversary to proud people. How different is that picture than the one where you're yoked up with Jesus, walking through life, experiencing his peace, his joy, his strength. Do you want to be yoked with Jesus and have that, or do you want to stand in opposition because of the pride in your life or my life that keeps us from looking inward? See, God's not asking us to be blind. He's asking us to be generous with others like he's generous to us. Did you hear that? He's not asking us to pretend the world is perfect. He's not asking us to pretend everything is fantastic. But he's saying when you see the fault, when you see the sin, be generous like God has been generous to you. God alone is the judge, James says. He alone has the power to save or destroy. What right do you have to judge your neighbor?
years ago when I first started at Bethel. A guy came to our church, was well into his middle life years and was just far from God in so many ways. And through Bethel, he, he gave his life to Christ and got baptized. And he just started to, God started to do great things in his life. And one, one day after a service, he's, he pulled me aside and said, Pastor Rob, I have a question for you. You know, I've been reading my Bible and I read that God doesn't want me to have any addictions in my life. Is that true? He said, you got to know this guy. This guy was a character. I said, yeah, that's awesome. You're right. God doesn't want any of us to have any addictions in our life. The Bible says we're only supposed to be controlled by what? Holy Spirit. He says, ooh, okay, that's, that's, that's going to be hard, Pastor Robbie said. I said, well, what do you think God's asking you to do? He says, well, I know I got two big addictions in my life. I said, okay, what are they? He said, beer and marijuana. And in my mind, I'm thinking one is legal, one is illegal. So maybe we start with the illegal one, right? That's my mind. So I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Which, um, how about we pick one? How about we pick one, start with one. So if you were to pick one and say, God's going to help you pick one and start with one, which one do you think God would want you to start with? Woo, he says. Um, <laughs> says, I've been drinking for a long time, 30 years. And I've been doing pot for like close to 40. He says, I'm, I'm definitely going to start with the beer. I said, <laughs> again, I, I like, I like said, okay. I said, okay. And I put my arm around him and I, and I looked at him and, and I said, I said his name and I said, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Because I'm thinking for the first time in decades, this guy has given God the opportunity to make him look inward. And he picked a sin in his life. And he said, with God's help, I have to deal with this. What a huge step that is. And if he picked a sin that maybe I think he should have gone the other way. You know what? God is the judge. The Holy Spirit is in him. Let the Holy Spirit lead him. And you know what God did in his life? About 18 months later, both the beer and the pot were gone from his life. See? Listen. And I share that story for one simple reason. Don't judge people around you. Don't judge them. Oh, but look what they're doing in public. What are you doing in private? What am I doing in private? God sees it all. God is the judge. Let's show humility. Let's show love. Let's show gentleness. Let's show compassion and mercy. And then Jesus says, first get rid of your, your board. Then you can see to help your brother. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is leading you into righteousness. Psalm 23 says that the Lord, our shepherd, leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Don't let politics or culture or your family disciple you. You let the Holy Spirit disciple you. We're followers of Jesus Christ. We're not followers of a nation, of a political party, or a candidate. So what if someone disagrees with you politically? 
You're followers of Jesus. Choose unity because Jesus supersedes any politician, any political party, any cause. See, when we talk about getting the log out of our eye, it's not disconnected to what we've been talking about this summer. What is it that God's given us to do as followers of his? We're supposed to love God and love others. We're supposed to choose unity. And we're supposed to have a passionate love for the lost like Jesus did. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about in in all of these areas. See, when I choose not to get critical, what I'm doing is I'm choosing to love you instead of getting critical and judgmental all about you. And so when I choose to be generous to you and you choose to be generous to me in our faults, we're choosing love, which is exactly what Jesus wants us to do. When we choose not to let the world divide us because of politicians or political parties or causes or whatever else is going on, and we say, listen, okay, we disagree on this. So what? We have Jesus in common. And let's embrace the unity we have in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said when we are unified in Christ, the world will see that he is the son of God. Don't let the enemy separate us. And when the world sees the unity, that's when the lost are saved. That's our business. That's our calling. That's what Jesus left us with as a church. That's the work he's given each of us as followers of his. There's a world that needs to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. That's our work. Don't get preoccupied with all this other stuff. Choose unity. Choose love. Choose generosity when people are struggling around you. And when you see someone who is struggling, instead of instinctively pointing out their fault, how about this week, instead of doing that, we turn it inward and ask ourselves, what am I struggling with? How gracious has God been to me? How patient has God been with me? How many hundreds of times has God forgiven me for that sin? I can extend compassion. Hey, I want to ask you to stay seated as we pray, so let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder today that you're so generous to us. You're so good. And Lord, we don't take sin lightly. It's only because Jesus Christ died on the cross and became the payment for our sin. He paid the price in full. We don't need to beat ourselves up or beat anyone else up because Jesus became sin, the Bible says, and paid the price. So that's why we could be gracious. That's why we can be generous. That's why we can be merciful. That's what I ask for each and every single one of us here, those watching online. I want, we ask that Bethel is a church that's known for its generosity, for its mercy, for its grace. We'll give you all the glory. We agree with this prayer and said, amen.